Everybody's happy, except for the chickens. I don't know if chickens are happy. I, they never tell me. Anyway. Hello and welcome to JedgeCast. This is episode 280. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Samantha Har. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. It's me. <laughs> I was I was very enthusiastic and then I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, kinda, it was a very, very enthusiastic. Yeah. Yay. No, I'm kidding. It's... This set looks super cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm really happy to have a, a unset based in Dominaria. What are you talking about? It's a un unided. Un what does that mean? It's an unset. You've got unhinged, unsanctioned. It's not an unset. What? Unided. Oh, oh my god! I'm so stupid. <laughs> I had to think about that so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in this episode, we're going to be all right. All right, dad jokes. Wow. So we are going to be talking about Dominaria United, or United, yes. And this is this is going to be our release notes episode, so that you can understand how the cards work. And we're not necessarily, when we talk about these cards, we're going to be talking about the rules. We're not necessarily going to be talking about, like, strategically the best plays, but more of a, hey, what happens if, uh, you know, this intervening if clause, uh, if that creature's not there when uh it goes to result that kind of stuff you know rules nerd stuff rules nerd stuff what's uh let's let's talk about the mechanics of the set what's brand new mechanics so first up we've got read ahead which is on sagas and read read ahead is really just like get on with it in for sagas <laughs> <laughs> when you just want to just get on with it. Or is it you, is it like when someone's on book one of the Dresden Files of like a 17 book series, they ask me if uh, the main male protagonist and one of the main female protagonists end up hooking up and they stay on me asking that question for 12 out of the 17 books? Is it like that? You know, Brian. What? You know... Maybe I should have read ahead so I didn't have to suffer through all the books just for my my. F hey 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 hey! I'm gonna have to bleep that out. Spoilers, yo. Well, we don't know yet. Nobody knows anything yet. Dresden's not good at making decisions and sticking with them. I'm so. gonna have to bleep that out. Why are you gonna have to bleep that out? Because you implied too. You said too much. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. You gotta keep it spoiler free. Okay, bleep, spoiler-free version. I'm salty, Brian. Anyway, so read ahead. I'm so salty about you making me read all the Dresden things, only... Mm, I'm... Spoiler-free episode. You're the worst, but you're still my friend. <laughs> anyway, read ahead is for those people that want to skip to the end of a story and know the end without doing the whole beginning thing. <laughs> so, at... As a saga with Read Ahead enters the battlefield, its controller chooses the chapter number to start on from one of the chapters on the card, of course. You can't start on chapter zero or chapter four for Braid's Frightful Return because it's it's only got three. You, yeah. you have to choose from something that exists. So what is, what is Braid, before we go on, what does Braid's Frightful Return oh, do? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Oh, okay. I'll get there. Settle down. Okay, I'm the saga settling. Enter the, enters the battlefield with the chosen number of lore counters. 
So I love this card art. This may be my favorite card art from any recent, ma- maybe any magic set since I've been part of Magic World. Braid's Frightful Return for two and a black. It is a saga. It's got three chapters and it's got read Um, Chapter one, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, each opponent discards a card. Cool. Chapter two, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Cool. <laughs> Chapter three, target opponent may sacrifice a non-land, non-token permanent. If they don't, they choose or they lose two life and you draw a card. So you just get to start wherever you want to start because you're reading ahead. Okay. And that's pretty neat. Yeah. Anyway. So you choose the number and put the counters on the saga on as the saga resolves. Um, opponents can't respond to either. Yeah, the, choos- the choosing or the pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Once it's in motion, it's in motion. A saga in motion tends to stay in motion. Well, that's actually clever. I like that. <laughs> You're clever sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Normally, if you put multiple lore counters on a saga at one time, all the chapter all the chapter abilities will trigger, but read ahead is an exception. Obviously. You skip the chapter abilities that have a chapter number less than the lore counters placed on the saga. So you don't get to just batch everything to hurry along. You have to actually skip things. Replacement effects that modify the number of counters you put on things apply after you choose the number to put to put on with read ahead. So then you get the chapter ability associated with with that chapter ability. So if you have doubling season out and read ahead saga with three chapters, don't choose two. Isn't <laughs> that before? Because and... we, as stated before, you, you got to choose things, you know, at least it's probably advisable to choose things that exist. Well, you ch- two exists. It's just then it gets yeah, doubled to but... four and you just, you, you're like, uh, you're like my dad driving and missing the, uh, the off the ramp. Results don't yeah. exist your choice yeah. exists but your results don't exist yeah. choose something with results that exist um on subsequent turns the read ahead saga behaves and and acts like a card with a healthy respect for proper storytelling it acts like you think it's going to act once once all that rigmarole is over yes it, it has a, it has the proper respect for the story structure of beginning middle end uh, all right next up is enlist the sample card with enlist is Argivian, Argavian, Argivian, uh, Cavalier. Uh, Argivian? I don't know. I'm very very (laughs) cavalier about the pronunciation of this card's name. For two and a a green, for two and a white, it's a 2-2, it's a 2-2 Orc Knight. You're going to be cavalier about the mana cost, too. I am. Uh, It's got Enlist, and says when Argivian uh, Cavalier enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. Now, enlist means as this creature uh, attacks, uh, you may tap a non-attacking creature you control without summoning Cygnus. And when you do, you can add its power to this creature until end of turn. So if you got a, you got a buddy, you can tap that buddy, and it's going to boost uh, the creature with enlist equal to uh, its power. Uh, so the attacking creature, uh, sorry, the attacking player chooses whether to tap a creature uh, for its enlist ability immediately after they tap creatures that they have chosen to attack. This is part of the turn-based action of declaring attackers. Mm-hmm. If you remember our, our combat episode a while back, that sets up a reflexive trigger that's going to go on the stack when you're done declaring attackers. Okay, so it's you're tapping. I mean, the way the way people are going to do it at the same time, they're going to, you know, turn this sideways to attack and then uh, they're going to tap this creature and say it enlists. But 
and that's or maybe they'll do both at the same time but that's kind of you decide all the creatures that are going to attack you tap them and then you also tap the the enlisting and announce that um the enlisting creature must be tapped must not be attacking and must not have air quotes summoning sickness okay so if it's got if it's got haste then it don't got summoning sickness if it's been on the battlefield for a turn you know started the turn on uh your side it ain't got summoning sickness um now if there are attacking requirements restrictions like all creatures must attack this turn remember declaring the creatures to attack happen before you can tap to enlist so if all creatures have to attack this turn you're not going to have any creatures untapped to enlist. You don't have any new recruits. Yeah. They're already fighting. And then only one creature can enlist another. You can't tap. Uh, I can't tap two creatures to enlist my Argivian Cavalier. And I can't tap one creature to enlist for my two Argivian Cavaliers. Stunning, I know. So speaking of stunning. Stunning. Stunning indeed. Moving along to stun counters. Um... I think this is pretty intuitive. So our example here is stall for time for two and a white instant with kicker, generic and a blue. Kick it. I know we're kicking things now. So tap up to two target creatures. If this spell was kicked, put a stun counter on each of those creatures. Draw a card. So stun counters. If a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, remove one, remove a stun counter from it instead. So yeah, easy peasy. It's stunned. It's not untapping. So stun counters are a visual representation of a thing that can't untap yet. Um, as a replacement effect, if a tapped permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, you instead remove a stun counter. Easy peasy. If you have multiple stun counters, it's still just one. Just um, remove one. Hmm? So you just remove the one. Yep. Just remove the one. This replacement effect happens any time you untap, not just in the untap step. Things that trigger or care about when a permanent becomes untapped won't trigger when a stun counter is removed instead of untapping. Because it, it didn't untap. It didn't do it. If untapping a permanent is part of a cost, you still quote-unquote pay the cost. If the permanent has a stun counter, you will just remove a stun counter instead of actually untapping it. But you did pay that cost. Yeah, that's that's a rule uh, in general. If, if you're supposed to pay the cost for something, if doing something is part of the cost, and you start doing that thing, but whatever that thing is gets replaced by another effect, you are still considered to have paid that cost. You just went to the grocery store and took some, like, chickens with you instead of cash. Be like, here, I'll trade you. That's how that works. We're bargaining. Um, stun counters exist independent of I the think that, sta that statement put a stun counter on me. <laughs> you know, we're... <sighs> What? Society's getting complicated, you know? Things are expensive. Well, I mean, when people are bringing chickens to the grocery store, yes, things are getting complicated. Well, if you need potatoes, but you only got chickens, you bring you bring the chickens with you and say, hey, I'll trade you these, I'll, I'll take some potatoes. Everybody's happy. Except for the chickens. I don't know if chickens are happy. I, they never tell me. Anyway. Stun counters exist independent of the effect that made them. Stun counters have their own rules, text, support. Stun counters are not keyword counters. They don't they don't cause ability. Yeah, they don't cause abilities to gain abilities, and making a permanent lose all abilities doesn't let it ignore stun counters. Well, yeah, because it's not an ability. It's just a. It's just a powerful. Yeah. All right, we're gonna talk about power stone tokens. Oh yeah. 
Okay, they're really not all that exciting. Um, all right, so an example of a Power Stone token, we have the card Mana Rig. Mana Rig is a legendary artifact. Whenever you cast a multicolor spell, create a tapped Power Stone token. I'll explain what that is in just a second. And then it's got XXX, Triple X, and tap. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. All right. So Power Stone tokens are a new kind of predefined token, like treasure, like clue, like food. Power Stones are artifacts with the ability tap, add colorless. Okay, this mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. There's a lot of negatives in that. You know, can't be it can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. I actually oh. asked about that in a meeting today. I was like, why not just say it has to be used to pay for an artifact and apparently because people want to pay for abilities and other things yeah yeah it's a it's a bit weird but you can use that mana on anything that isn't a non-artifact spell activated a cost ability of sliver queen sure use it use use some to pay a cost to attack or paying ward costs or whatever uh you can use it on any any activated ability or if a triggered ability resolving requires you to pay something sure uh you just can't use that mana to cast a non-artifact spell okay uh although cards in dominaria create all their power stones tapped uh entering the battlefield tapped isn't part of the rules for creating power stones or or they've realized that like creating treasures untapped is kind of more powerful than creating treasures tapped so they're kind maybe they're busted. <laughs> yeah. So they're start, they're starting with uh, tapped power stone tokens, maybe to see how powerful these things are, and then the, they might start allowing more. I mean, it's just a knob that they can tweak. You know, they didn't mean to like cause us any pain or anything. No, you got to poke it with a stick, see yep. how it goes, and then you yep. know, see if it bites you. Yep. Then you know for next time. That's how we learn lessons. You know. That is yes. That's how I learn lessons. I I have to wait for something to bite me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think that's it for the the new stuff, right? I think everything else is like returning, returning stuff. More or less. More or less. Um, Mo- the painlands are back because I'm looking at at Adderkar Waste going. I know that card already. Yeah. So, yeah, lovingly named painlands because they they deal a little damage to you. Yeah, I mean, for those who are not yet familiar, Adderkar Waste is a land you can tap to add a colorless. Or you can tap to add white or blue. Adderkar Waste deals one damage to you. So make the choices you gotta make. Um, So the damage is part of the mana ability and doesn't go on the stack. And lands, of course, are colorless. So the damage from Adderkar Waste isn't blue or white. So tricky. Yep. All right. Another returning mechanic is Kicker. We already talked about that in one of the previous cards. An example of that is two and a black for aggressive sabotage. It's a sorcery with kicker R. It says uh, target player discards two cards. If the spell was kicked, it deals three damage to that player. Kicker is basically the uh, the, the, uh, ultimate pay more, get more mechanic. The joke is everything is kicker. Everything is is just kicker. Everything is kicker. Somebody was telling me earlier today that they, they felt like... Or somebody had told them that they felt like Enlist was actually just banding in disguise. <laughs> eh. I don't know that I agree, but I, I think I understand the sentiment. It, it is. I, I, I understand it. I, I, I'm picking up what they're putting down. They're wrong, though. They're, well, 
sometimes you can be cute and wrong. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> well, I got you beat. I'm neither cute and I'm wrong. So, all right. <laughs> <Never> so kicker <laughs> is an additional cost. Okay. It's not an alternate cost. It's an additional cost. You can't kick the kicker more times than the card allows you to. So in this, in our case of aggressive sabotage, you can kick it once. Okay. There are some cards that say like kick uh, red and or black. Okay. Well, in that case, you can, you can pay red to kick it and you can pay black to kick it. And if you pay red and black, you done kicked it twice. Right in the ribs. Oh yeah. Uh, and then when it's down, uh, you kicked it again. Just kept in, kicking it. In the bread basket. Yep. Um, if you are putting a permanent directly onto the battlefield without casting it, uh, you can't, as the Beastie Boys say, kick it because you're not casting it. So the kicker is an additional cost that you pay as you're casting the spell. So if you're just putting it on the battlefield, you didn't cast it. Can I request right. that at least one Beastie Boys lyric makes its way into every Judge Cast episode? I think it ought to. Let's talk about domain cards. <laughs> All right, hold on. I ain't done with kicker yet. I was, uh, oh my God. No, we're doing this. Paying kicker doesn't change the spell's mana value, just its mana cost. Okay. And if you copy a kicked spell, the copy's also kicked. If you create a copy of a permanent on the, however, if you create a copy of a permanent on the battlefield that was kicked, that copy's not considered kicked. Pumped up kicks, you better run, baby run. I'm afraid to say anything. Are you? Is there anything else you have to tell people about Kicker? No, 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 no. We can go into your domain. Okay. 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 All right. Just making sure. Okay. The good folks at home might need to know lots about Kicker. Um, no, go for it. All right. Domain card. Okay. One thing. Are, one more thing about I Kicker. Swear, oh my god. I got nothing. I got nothing. Please. <laughs> with this. <laughs> domain cards. Domain cards. Okay. Our first example, I guess our only example, is Artillery Blast. It's one and a white. It's an instant. It's got domain. Artillery Blast deals X damage to target tapped creature, where X is one plus the number of basic land types among lands you control. Cool. So it cares about the number of land types, not the number of lands. Don't get it mixed up. Um, basic Basic land types are the big five. Wastes are a basic land type. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. The basic land types are the basic land types. You heard it here first. And that's that's pretty much all of the, the card-specific stuff, and or the, the generic stuff. You want to get into card-specific notes? Yeah, when I was looking at the, uh, when I was looking at the release notes um, initially, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really short episode. There's not that much here. It's like, it's, and you know, the stuff that's here is, is not too bad. And then I saw the card-specific note list and was like, oh, JK, LOL. Yeah, yeah. They're wordy. Yeah, I, I actually saw a note that said the last, um, this is the this is the standard with the fewest number of vanilla creatures ever, and the last one was printed in Strixhaven. Oh, wow. That has, that has been a minute. There's not a lot of vanilla stuff. You know, that's your, that's your magic lore for the day, brought to you by the Academy Lore Master for Blue Blue. It's a 2-3 human wizard. At the beginning of each player's draw step, that player may draw an additional card. If they do, spells they cast this turn cost two more to cast. This cost increase even applies to alternative costs. Okay, so if you have a spell that lets you lets you cast an, uh, a spell for an alternative cost, you still got to pay that. So flashback, 
costs two more. But what if it costs two more? This spell, this doesn't impact spells you ca- you cast before the trigger resolves. So during your, it says at the beginning of each player's draw step, so you draw your card, trigger goes on the stack uh, that says you may draw an additional card. If you cast like instance or anything like that before that, before that trigger resolves, then you don't have to pay the two. But once you draw that, once you draw that card, now everything's going to cost two. Abilities that reduce costs to cast spells apply after we apply cost uh, effects that raise them. So if you have something that reduces the cost of everything by one, we're going to first add the two from the lore master, then subtract the one. All right. So my first card on this list is a Johnny Sleeper agent. And this this mana cost is wacky. Yeah. It's mad wacky. So a Johnny Sleeper Mad agent, wacky. Mad wacky, yo. As opposed to just mildly upset wacky. Just a skosh, just like a just pinch. a skosh. Okay, just just a pinch of wackiness, a skosh, a dab, a drop of wackiness. This is this is a whole fistful of wackiness. So a Johnny sleeper agent, it's a pl- legendary planeswalker. A Johnny. Um, this cost is a generic, a green, a hybrid Phyrexian, green white situation, and then a white. <laughs> so there's 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 a lot going on there. Um, and. Poor, poor Johnny has been completed, or as I like to say with this spelling, compliotted. <laughs> compliotted. All right. So that, that I don't like is, that. I don't like huh? that. That's like the well, people that say. People it. That's like the people that pronounce menace. You know, ironically, menace. It's like, come on, get over yourself. Well, yeah, it's because it's funny. It's not funny. It is. It's funny if you say it and then you go, ha ha. No. That's how you can tell if something is funny, Brian. Oh really? Yeah, that's it. That's that's the okay. I'll I'll remember that. Unless it's a joke you make. If anybody says "ha ha" after a joke you make, it's still not funny. Ha ha! See, is what you just said is not doesn't work. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um. All right. So, completed a Johnny. This Phyrexian hybrid mana can be paid with green, white, or two life. If life was paid, this Planeswalker enters with two fewer loyalty counters. Ooh, so that's something. There's a lot of text on this thing. So the plus one is reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Second ability here is minus three. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. Last ability here, we've got a minus six. You get an emblem with... Whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. Ooh, spicy. I love that. And it starts at four. So, Ha-ha. yeah. I like that. But yeah, poor Johnny. Um, is what it is. We talked about the way to way to pay that. Um, in the steps to casting a spell, you technically announce your choice right after you put it on the stack and choose values for X before you target stuff. So if that comes up, that's that. For things that care about mana symbols, the Phyrexian hybrid is treated as a green or a white. Um, a Johnny's mana value is four, regardless of regardless of if you paid life or not to cast him. Some cards let you add mana to your mana pool equal to the mana cost of cards. You cannot add quote unquote Phyrexian mana to your mana pool. Yeah, never just even, green or white. I'd never even thought about that. Like it, it had never occurred to me to even ask that, but Anything, I, I like what if questions that are actually not like gotchas, but more like it never even occurred to me to think about it. I love that stuff. Um, 
Being completed is a replacement effect and applies only to a permanent entering the battlefield with loyalty effects. Other replacement effects that would apply to the number of loyalty counters as it enters the battlefield apply as normal. So that is what it is. Um, the completed ability only looks to see if you paid life for Phyrexian mana as you were casting the spell. If you had to pay life for some other reason to cast a Johnny, it doesn't impact um, the number of loyalty counters. It's just for the completed part. All right. Next up, we have the Anointed Peacekeeper. For two and a white, it is a 3-3 human cleric with one, two, three, four, four abilities. First off, we have Vigilance. We have As Anointed Peacekeeper enters the battlefield, look an opponent's hand, then choose any card name. Spells your opponent's cast with the chosen card name, with the chosen name, cost two more to cast. And then activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cost two more to activate unless they're mana abilities. All right. You can choose any card name, even if it's not in the hand. So you can look at their hand, see what they got, and then name a, name something else. Uh, even if the card doesn't have an activated ability, even if the card's not in standard. Okay, you can name any card. The rule that said you have to, uh, when you name a card, you have to name a card that's legal in the format that you're playing. They kind of remove that has to be legal in the format that you're playing bit. Love that for us. Anywho, you can't choose the name of a token unless the token also shares the name with a card. Um, Anointed uh, Peacekeeper's third ability applies to all opponents. That's the spells your opponents cast with the chosen name cost two more to cast. Okay. Uh, The fourth ability applies to everyone, even you. Activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cost two more to activate unless they're mana abilities. So if you name a card you also have in your deck... You're going to have to pay an additional two to activate it. Um, Yep. The last ability also applies to cards regardless of what zone they're in. This includes uh, hands, graveyards, exiled cards. So, you know, those those abilities that activate from the graveyard, activate from exile. Uh, Yes. Even if you are somehow able to activate a ability from the anti zone (laughs) or anti or anti zone. If you're anti zone. (laughs) Get in the zone! Anti-zone. Anti-zone. <laughs> All right, sorry. Next up, we have Aster, Bearer of Blades, for two red-white. Legendary creature, human warrior. It's a 4-4. When Aster, Bearer of Blades, enters the battlefield, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal an equipment or vehicle card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Then we've got equipment you control have equip one and vehicles you control have crew one. So you can still activate the other equip and crew abilities if you want. Um, You don't have to use the ability for master. So that's good to know. Like, I wonder in what cases somebody would choose to do that. There's a few cards with like equip zero. Oh, yeah. Or if the uh, if the crewing or equipping have an alternate cost, like discard a card. Mm. You can choose to discard instead of pay. Well, that makes sense. In case there's something fun or free or juicy going on with your other costs. We're just talking about what you can do, not necessarily whether it's a good idea. Okay, now we have Barrett, the Argivian, Argivian, jeez, recruiter for Red and White. It's a 2-2 legendary creature human soldier. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control a creature with power greater than its base power... 
create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. Now, this is kind of interesting. I, I don't think we've actually seen this before. Something saying if its if its power is greater than its base power. Okay. So I don't this know, I've means I've seen that phrasing before. That's yeah. interesting. So that means if it's got counters on it or some sort of giant growth effect on it, its power is greater than its base power. So normally a base power is uh, what's printed on the card or the the token. It's if it's a token that's it's set by the effect that created it. Copy effects can change the the base power and toughness, and then they've recently started changing uh, uh, the wording on things that set the power and toughness to a specific value to changing the base power and toughness to a specific values. Okay, so that's that's kind of what you're looking for. Is the the easy way to remember this, unless you're getting into into things like copy effects or things that change the base power and toughness, is if it's got counters or temporary pump effects. Uh, now, characteristic defining abilities, uh, like on Tarmogoy for whatever, uh, is taken into account when determining its base power. So we're in star star. However, there are creatures uh, that say that come into play with the, as zero zeros and then have an ability that says gets plus one plus one for each creature in play. These abilities are not taken into account when determining the, the, the base power. So that base power is zero zero. Yeah. 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 Next, we have Chaotic Transformation. For five and a red, it's a sorcery. Exile up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, up to one target enchantment, up to one target planeswalker, and or... A partridge in a pear tree. Right, up to one target one target land. For each permanent exile this way, its controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a card that shares a card type with it, puts that card onto the battlefield, and then shuffles. Well, dang. That's a lot. That's a lot going on there. Um, the permanents are all exiled at the same time. Um, if a player controls multiple permanents that were exiled this way, the player will choose will first choose which target they are revealing for, then do the thing, put the card on the battlefield, shuffle, then repeat the process. So technically, it is not correct to reveal, 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 put card on battlefield, reveal, reveal, reveal till you find the next card. You shuffle after each. Put on the battle part. Put on the battlefield part. You do, which that that takes some some dexterity. That takes some some yeah. fine motor skills to be doing all that. But cool effect. Yeah, I think it's cool. Right. Next up, we have cosmic epiphany. Okay, this one. Uh, the note on this one's not super huge. So it's four blue blue for a sorcery. Draw cards equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Cosmic epiphany is a sorcery. So if I have an empty graveyard and I cast Cosmic Epiphany, do I draw zero cards or one card? The answer is zero, because Cosmic Epiphany is still in the stack when it's resolving, not in the graveyard, so you don't get to count it when you draw. Still chilling on the stacky-poo. All right, the Cruelty of Gix. It's a saga. It's three black-black, and this this baby's got read ahead. Here's that again. Um, Enchantment Saga. So first chapter. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a creature or planeswalker card from it. That player discards that card. Chapter 2. Search your library for a card. Put that card into your hand, then shuffle. You lose 3 life. Get got. Get got. Chapter 3. Put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Nice. So, for chapter 2, you must search for a card. You will lose 3 life. You can't fail to find because there is no quality of the card like search for a land, etc. 
if it's just go get a card, you you got to go get a card. We we can see that there are cards there. You can't fail to find something we all see yeah. exists. <laughs> yup. We have uh, Danthea, Banalia's Hope, for four and a white is a legendary creature. You know, they got they got so many legendary creatures. They need to just, I think they need to print just, I think they've got a little drunk with, with legendary creature now. They just need to make a few, few more just plain old, like this is a good, this is a good commander. Like I'm not saying necessarily that this one, but like there's some other cards that, that, doesn't really need to be like like Baron Argivian recruiter did not need to be a legendary creature. That that's that's strong coming from what? a uh, that's strong coming from such a commander player as you are. It's just tiresome. Like you know, maybe someone playing in standard would like to have two on the battlefield at a time. You know, Fozo four and away legendary creature human knight four four first strike vigilance life link when Danithia. Banalia's Hope enters the battlefield. You may put an aura or equipment from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield and attach to Danithia. Dan, Danitha. Danitha. Danny. 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 Uh, so if you go uh, go to put an aura onto the battlefield with this ability and Danny isn't there or the aura cannot legitimately attach to her, it won't enter the battlefield. It'll just stay where it is. Okay. So if you have an enchantment that says, like, enchant green creature, it can't because Danny is white. Uh, however, for an equipment that can't attach to her for any of the same reasons, it'll enter the battlefield and then just sit there unattached. So, yay. Yay. Next right. we have... Are you zooming in on all the cards because there's too tiny for you to read? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, is that okay? No, 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 it's fine. I can't see nothing. There's the text is so little. Is the is the art on this card like this would make like an amazing tramp stamp. <laughs> we don't say tramp stamp. It's 2022, Brian. What do we what do we say now? We say a a lovely tattoo on on your lower back. <laughs> That's a lot of words. Um no, this art the the art for the Elder Dragon War is really really neat. I think it was actually like a literal chunk of wood that they then like photographed. It's like a mixed media piece, which I love. I love, love, love. I like to see the the magic art like branching out into new formats and trying new things. Oh, um, yeah. As an art major myself. Um, but yeah, the Elder Dragon War, it's a saga. Two red red. It's got read ahead. Um, chapter one. The Elder Dragon War deals two damage to each creature and each opponent. Chapter two. Discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. Chapter three. Create a 4-4 red dragon creature token with flying. Um, what's interesting about this is in Two-Headed Giant, the first ability will result in the team losing life total by four for each opponent. All right. Next up is the Evolved Sleeper. Uh, for a single black mana, you get a 1-1 human. There he is. That's, that's, that's all we are. Uh, for black mana, uh, activated ability, uh, Evolved Sleeper becomes a human cleric with its base power and toughness of 2-2. Two, two. For one and a black, activated ability, if Evolved Sleeper is a cleric, put a death touch counter on it, it becomes a Phyrexian human cleric with base power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. And if you spend one black black, if Evolved Sleeper is a Phyrexian, you put a plus one plus one counter on it, and then you draw a card and lose one life. All right, so these are kind of neat. Uh, this, is, this is the latest figure of Destiny version where you, you kind of... 
do the first one to power them up so that the second ability applies to power them up so that the third ability applies. You know, these abilities don't have a duration. Uh, if it resolves, it remains, but layer timestamps is what allows it to progress like you think it does. Okay, so when you pay the black, there's an effect that says, I am a human cleric with base power and toughness 2-2. When you activate the second ability, uh, you put a death touch counter on it, it becomes a Phyrexian human cleric with base power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. That doesn't erase the first ability, okay? There is a, there is a continuous effect that says, hi, I'm a 2-2. Two, two. And then I also have an effect that says, hi, I'm a 3-3. Three, three. And since the I'm a 3-3 three, three has the later timestamp, it... It's, it, it wins. Uh, we apply the 2-2, two, two, and then we, we apply them in timestamp order, so it's 2-2-3-3. Two, two, three, three. What's funny is, is if I go back and pay the, the, the one black mana, uh, Evolve Sleeper becomes a human cleric with base power and toughness 2-2, two, two, I can set it back from a 3-3 three, three to a 2-2. Two, two. From a Phyrexian human cleric to just a human cleric, and it'll keep its death touch counter, because that's just death touch counter. Okay. Um, the second ability cares if it's a cleric. The third ability cares if it's a Phyrexian. It doesn't care how it became a cleric or how it became a Phyrexian. So if you have some sort of type changing effect, you can actually jump straight to uh, the third ability and get the plus one plus one counter draw a card and lose a life. And finally, the last ability uh, can be activated multiple times. Like once it's a Phyrexian, it's it's a forever Phyrexian. You just keep going. Once you go Phyrexian, you never go Baxian. I don't know. Baxian? I don't know. Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle with this next card name, but I'm going to give okay. it all I've got. <clears throat> yeah. Next up, we have we have Golden Argosy? Argosy? Yeah. Do you actually know. know how to pronounce this? I really do not. Oh, absolutely not. I, I just, I, I'm calling it uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Golden Argosy? Yeah, because he was looking for the golden fleece. Oh, I I know. I yeah, know. I know. Never mind. Yeah, and if you if you if you destroy this card, you're killing Jason off and countless screaming Argonauts. I've I've got something really stupid to do in Photoshop later. Okay. Anyway, it's a legendary artifact vehicle. It's three six. So whenever Golden Argosy attacks, exile each creature that crewed it this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Crew 1. So this triggered ability will only exile creatures that are still on the battlefield as it resolves. Creatures that crewed it and otherwise expired won't return. That would be cute, but no, it's not that good. No. Um, creatures exiled will still come back even if Golden Argosy is no longer on the battlefield at the beginning of the end step. So, cool. Yeah. They've committed. They've committed to this bit. Yeah. The art's a little weird on this one because it kind of looks like the boat's flying. I think it is. It's not because if you look at the spire from that church thing, it's actually no. It's it's like it looks like it's landing or taking off because like look at the like the like wind. It's it's pushing it. It, well, it don't fly. Well, it does but, if it does. It no, they got the the whippoorwill rule. If it don't fly, they can't put it in art flying. Okay, well, but it's it kind of doesn't like flapping your wings flying. Well, no, because it doesn't got any wings. Okay, you know what? It's not that it's flying; it's catching air. It's what? Oh, like it's Michael Jordan uh... it's going real fast and just like scooting up over the waves, crashing back down. You know, like it's it's just catching some wicked air. Huh. that's my assumption. All right, enthrall to the pit. 
is three and a red for a sorcery with kicker, two and a black. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. If this spell was kicked, sacrifice that creature at the beginning of the next end step. All right, so here's, here's, this is mostly an uninteresting card, except if you somehow cast this card during your end step, kicked, which is going to be tough because this is a sorcery, but if you do it, you will gain control of the creature until uh, the end of turn. The delayed trigger will still go off at the beginning of the next end step. Okay, so you gain control of the creature until end of this turn. The delayed trigger will still go off at the beginning of the next end step. So you've already given the creature back. So you've already given the creature back. You have an ability that's telling you to sacrifice a creature that you don't control, and you can't do it. So if you do a dumb thing, you know, it's, it's like if you play stupid games, you, you win stupid prizes. But you can still do it. Sometimes you want stupid prizes. <laughs> I... Sometimes stupid prizes are the best prizes of all. <sighs> or something. Anyway, Ivy, Gleeful Spell Thief. For green and a blue, legendary creature, fairy rogue. It's a 2-1 with flying. Whenever a player casts a spell that targets only a single creature other than Ivy, Gleeful Spell Thief, you may copy that spell. That copy targets Ivy. Um, and then it specifies a copy of an aura spell becomes a token. Interesting. Um, the second ability triggers when a player casts the spell that casts a spell that targets only one creature and no other object or player. Um, if a spell has multiple targets and all of them are the same creature, Ivy's ability will trigger. the The copy is created even if the spell that causes the trigger is gone. Um, it will also resolve before the original spell. Um, if Ivy can't be a legal target for the spell, no copy is created. And the copy was not cast. And if the copied spell is modal or kicked or has a value for X, all that stuff is copied. So, yeah. Does copy things. All right. Next up, we have Joda the Unifier for Wooberg. That's one of each color. We get a legendary creature human wizard 5-5 five, five with uh, and a little eye chart. Uh, legendary creatures you control get plus X plus X, where X is the number of legendary creatures you control. Whenever you cast a legendary spell from your hand, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a legendary non-land card with lesser mana value. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. So that uh, triggered ability, uh, the triggered ability and the spell you go get resolves before the uh, the legendary spell you originally cast resolves. Okay, so I'm going to say the, the spell that you cascade into it, I'm doing air quotes, and you'll, you'll see why in just a second. When you exile the cards from your library, you're going to be exiling face up so everybody can see them. Okay, so like I said, the second ability is is sort of legendary cascade, but one difference. Uh, if you don't cast the legendary non-land card immediately, uh, you can't do it at a, uh, at, a, at a later time. If you choose not to cast the legendary non-land card, it stays in exile. Whereas with Cascade, you can cast the spell. If you don't, all the, the rest of the cards go on the bottom of the library. In this particular case, you get the spell, okay, because you're, you're, you're exiling. And if you choose not to cast it, uh, um, it stay. It's gonna stay. Yeah. 
it stays where you put it. Yep. A few other things. Mana values of a split card is the total mana value of both the halves. Mana value of a double face card in exile is determined by the front face. Okay. If the legendary card exiled is a modal double face card and the back face is also a non-land card, you can cast either face even if the back face is not legendary. Ooh. 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 You got tricks. Yep. Yeah, because you're being given permission to cast the card and you can choose either side. Yeah. But if it's but if it's a land, then you can't cast a land, so womp womp. I try not to at least cast lands. I try not to as I well. Try not it's to. just it's just bad. Don't do that. Next we have Karn Silex for three generic. Legendary artifact. Karn Silex enters the battlefield tapped. Players can't pay life to cast spells or to activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. Rough. And then for X tap exile Karn Silex, you can destroy each non-land permanent with mana value X or less. Activate only as a sorcery. So this does shut down fetch lands, but does not shut down pain lands. Because while pain may be the result either way, paying things versus just taking... Taking a hit is, is different. Resolving spells can still cause you to pay life. Um, players may always pay zero life, even if an effect says they can't pay life. So if you have an effect that says you pay, uh, you can pay, you can pay li- any amount of life. Yeah, zero. Zero is all right. Sh- Schrodinger's life payment. Uh, there actually is a tournament shortcut that talks about costs of zero. If you have to pay a cost of zero, you are assumed to have paid it, unless you state otherwise. I'd forgotten that. That is true, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the, the least commonly used. You know, like, you play your ornithopter, and you're like, you didn't announce what mana you were paying for that. Oh my god, please. <laughs> or there's like, a, there's like a card from Time Spiral with like Echo of Zero or something like that. It's like, oh, you didn't pay the Echo cost. You gotta sacrifice your creature. Hush. All right. Night of Dawn's Light. Makes me feel like that should be like a, that's a, like a lyric from the National Anthem. But it is for one and a white. It is a 2-2 two, two human knight with first strike. If you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead. And then for one and a white, Night of Dawn's Light gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So what happens if you have two of these in play and then gain some life? Well, you're going to gain that much plus two. Because the first replacement effect will apply, going that much life plus one, and the second one will apply with taking that much life, including the new one, plus one. Hooray. All right. Um, now, here's the thing. Although multiple creatures dealing damage in combat is considered one damage event, multiple creatures with lifelink dealing combat damage is considered multiple separate life gain events. So you would actually gain one extra life for each Creature with lifelink attacking. All right, here's a card you may or may not have heard of before. Okay. Get ready for Liliana of the Veil. I think she may What's have made, that? May have made an appearance at some point. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Liliana of the Veil. Uh, generic black black. Legendary planeswalker. Liliana. So her plus one is each player discards a card. Her second ability is minus two. Target player sacrifices a creature. Last one, negative six, minus six. Separate all permanents target player controls into two piles. 
that player sacrifices all permanents in the pile of their choice. She starts at three. So, for the first ability, everyone chooses what card to discard in turn order, but the chosen cards are revealed and discarded at the same time. Um, note on the third ability, the, the minus six there, you can put a creature in one pile, you, you can put a creature in one pile and the aura on it in another. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can. Um, and for the third ability, a pile can be empty, so you can, you can just pile them all up. You do you, boo. Don't let us stop you, your good time, you know? All right. Next up is Mirius, Scholar of Antiquity. We have a legendary, a 3-3 legendary creature, Elf Artificer. Artificer? Artificer? Artificer, I think. Artificer. Tap an untapped non-token artifact creature you control. Add green. Tap two untapped non-token artifact creatures you control. Exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. Because of the way this this, that first ability is worded, tap an untapped non-token artifact you control. Because of the way this is worded, you can tap artifact creatures for that green mana the turn they enter the battlefield. Pretty sweet, huh? Pretty sweet. Yep. And then the second ability, which is uh, tap two untapped non-token artifacts. You control, exile the top uh, top of your library. You may play it this turn. So if it is a land and you have not... And... Okay. So you can only play a land during your main phase of your own turn and only if you haven't yet played one this turn okay so if you do this on your opponent's turn and you exile the top card and it's a land well it's just gonna sit there there it sit and though and and thus she sat all right you get to do probably the most fun art in the whole I know, I'm so excited. I'm so excited that, that I landed on this one. So next we have Phoenix Chick for a red. It's a creature phoenix, and it's a 1-1, one, one, and it's the cutest little thing I've ever seen in my life, this little chicken nugget. I love it. <laughs> so, it's on fire. It is. It's made of fire, it looks like, and his little, like, rock egg. I love him so much. Um, I want to cook him up and eat him. I'm vegetarian, and I still want to cook him up and eat him. Wow. Um, he's got flying. He's got haste. Um, Phoenix chick can't block. Whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may pay red red. If you do, return Phoenix chick from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and attacking with a plus one plus one counter on it. So as Phoenix chick returns to the battlefield from the trigger, it doesn't have to attack the same player or planeswalker as your other creatures. Cool, cool. Even though Phoenix chick is on the battlefield attacking, it wasn't declared as an attacking creature. I'm sure you remember that from the last, like, three episodes we've done. That keeps coming up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want, just looking at this art, I know this is a, a podcast you can't see, but I want to put wheels on this thing and have it make vroom vroom noises because it feels like it should be like some sort of hot rod. Doesn't you're, it? You're so weird, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're mad weird, but you were also correct. Yeah, it should have wheels on the bottom. And then, like, maybe, like, someone on its back with, like, you know, like, revving it up with the handlebars or something. Anywho, Prayer of Binding. <laughs> For three and a white, it's an enchantment with flash. That is when a Prayer of Binding enters the battlefield, exile up to one target non-land permanent an opponent controls until Prayer of Binding leaves the battlefield. You gain two life. Okay, you can choose not to target anything, and you will still gain the life. But if you choose something, if you choose to target something, and that something is removed before the ability resolves, you will not gain the two life, because that ability will not resolve. Boo. Yeah, so 
<laughs> so again, you can choose to not target anything if you really, really, really got to make sure you get that two life. I ain't saying it's a good, a good idea. Okay, now, in a multiplayer game, if Prayer of Binding's owner leaves the game, the exiled card will return to the battlefield. This is because the one-shot effect that returns the card isn't an ability that goes on the stack. Okay, the permanent just comes back. So it won't cease to exist along with the leaving a player's spells and abilities on the stack bit. All right. I I love that a lot of, a, a non-zero amount of judge cast is really just us learning how to read. Thank you all for coming here to listen to Brian and I learn how to read. So this this next card is Radadrabic? Radadrabic. Radadrabic of Urborg. I think Rat-a-tat. I got that. Ratatat. <laughs> oh, God. Quick attack. Ratadrabic of Urborg. Two white, black. Legendary creature, zombie wizard. There's a career goal. It's a 3-3. Three, three. Um, vigilance, ward two. Other zombies you control have vigilance. Whenever another legendary creature you control dies, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary. And it's a 2-2 black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. So... Token copies are as the creature existed on the battlefield before it died, not as it, not as it exists in the graveyard. Um, but we, we look at the card as modified by other copy effects, not considering auras or equipment or other continuous effects. So as, as the card was, just as it was. All right. Next up is Rith Liberated Primeval for... Two red, two and a uh, Anaya. Uh, so two red, green, red, green, white. We have a legendary creature dragon, five, five, which should be should be larger given the fact that it's flying and it's it's got like like little little tiny full grown dragon wingmen. Maybe they're babies. No, those are those are is those this is big dragons. Maybe they're babies. Those are five fives. Those are five fives. Anywho. As flying ward two, other dragons you control have ward two. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls was dealt excess damage this turn, create a four-four red dragon creature token with flying. Are those the four the four fours that it created? The little the little dragon buddies? Oh, that one power and toughness is a big difference. Yeah. Alright. Multiple instances of ward triggers separately. Okay, so if if the dragon has ward two and then it you know, is given Ward 2 from Rith, and it already had Ward 2. That means you have one ability that's going to counter unless they pay 2, and another ability that's going to counter unless they pay 2. Excess damage is damage that exceeds the minimum amount of damage required to be lethal. It doesn't matter what dealt the excess damage, just that it was dealt. Okay? This ability, that ability, will trigger even if Rith was not on the battlefield at the time the excess damage was dealt this turn. So if the excess damage was dealt and then Rith entered the battlefield, you know, you're still going to get the trigger. So, you know. Uh, And it doesn't matter if the creature that was dealt excess damage is not still on the battlefield. You probably knew that because it's excess damage. So if I've got a 3-3 and I hit it for 5, I did excess damage to it. So it should be dead. But it doesn't matter. Should have been dead, and, but... Yeah, yeah. And if it has indestructible and it's still on the battlefield, well, it was still dealt excess damage. It just didn't... Didn't done... Did it in. Do what did he, did he, dumb, did he... Do. Yeah, what didn't did he do? Next we have Rivaz of the Claw. The Claw. 
for the, claw. the claws are master. Right. For one black red, we have a legendary creature, Viachino Warlock. It's a three three with menace. So you can tap, add two mana in any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast dragon creature spells. Then once during each of your turns, you may cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard. The claw decides who will stay and who will go. (laughs) Whenever you cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard, it gains. When this creature dies, exile it. So it gets deader. (laughs) All right. Mana from the activated ability can can pay alternative costs like escape, but not on earth. Third ability gives you permission to cast... Gives you, third ability gives you permission to cast doesn't change when you cast the spell. What does that mean? It doesn't change when you can cast the spell. It doesn't change when you can cast the spell. It okay. just says you can cast it. Uh, okay. Third ability doesn't change when you when you are allowed to cast a spell, is what we're saying here. Yep. Okay. For the last ability, it's the, the spell on the stack gains the text, but that text persists as it becomes a permanent now, if the spell is countered, it's not exiled because when this creature dies, referring to a permanent, not a spell. Spells never say die. <laughs> I guess maybe yeah. they literally Spells say don't die. die. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. All right. Here we go. Rulik Mons, War in Chief. One red, green, green for a 3-3 legendary creature goblin with yeah. menace. When Rulik Mons War in Chief attacks, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put that onto the battlefield tapped. If you didn't put a card onto the battlefield this way, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token. See, this is an example of a creature that, that didn't have to be a legend. Like no one's gonna no one's gonna play this as a commander. I will. I love I love Rulik Mons. Well, you can like him, but he's not gonna be the he's not gonna be if you're playing like goblin tribal or I want to put a land on the battlefield tribal. He works very you know? hard. I mean, Brian's sure. Best. <laughs> sure. It's very hard to become a chief of a whole warren. And if you look at the top card of your library and it's a land, you can choose to work even harder and not put that onto the battlefield. Uh, <laughs> you do still get your gabo uh, in that case. So you you know it said like if you if you 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 can put a land on the battlefield tapped if you didn't put a card on the uh put a card on the battlefield this way create a one one so even if you rev- uh even if you look at the card and it's a land you can be like nope I'm gonna leave that there I'd rather have my gabo love my gabos next we have Sh- Shauna Shana Shauna purifying blade green white blue legendary creature human warrior three three life link. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay X. If you do, draw X cards. X can't be greater than the amount of life you gained this turn. Interesting. So you choose the value for X and pay X while the ability is resolving. Because you do. That's the way of it. Yep. And then we have Solkanar the Tainted. For two black, sorry, for, for two blue, black, red. We have a legendary creature, Elemental Demon, 5-5. At the beginning of your end step, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Okay, so then now there's four things. Draw a card. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Soul Kanar the Tainted deals three damage to up to one other target creature or planeswalker. Then exile Soul Kanar the Tainted. Then return it to the battlefield under an opponent's control. Odds are you're probably going to do that one last. 
Okay. After the opponent gains control of Solkanar, they are the you in all of the abilities. Like, they get to decide if they're going to draw a card or each of their opponents is going to lose two life, etc., etc. In Two-Headed Giant, the second mode, which was each opponent loses two life and you gain two life, will make the team lose a total of four life, but you're still only going to gain two. Hmm. I always, I always struggle a little bit with Two-Headed Giant. I'll get there. So next up is Squee, Dubious Monarch. Dubious. Dubious indeed. Two and a red, legendary creature, Goblin Noble. Two, two with haste. Whenever Squee, Dubious Monarch attacks, create a one, one red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. Yeah. You may cast Squee, Dubious Monarch from your graveyard by paying three and a red and exiling four other cards from your graveyard rather than paying its mana cost. <laughs> Seems dubious. Dubious at best. <laughs> Once you start casting the spell from your from the graveyard, opponents can't respond until you are done casting. At that time, they won't be able to remove one of those four cards you exiled from the graveyard. Good try, though. Yeah. All right. So here's a card I've actually seen a fair amount of fuss online about. Ooh, fuss, you say? Yeah, fuss. So one, in a, it's one in a black for Stronghold Arena. It is an enchantment with kicker green and or white. When Stronghold Arena enters the battlefield, you gain three life for each time it was kicked. And whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you may reveal the top card of your library and put it into your hand. If you do, lose life equal to its mana value. All right. So you can only kick a Stronghold Arena once with green and once with white. So for max of max of two. Okay. So max of six life gained. Normally, combat damage is dealt all at once. If three creatures attack a player, that's going to be one instance of dealing combat damage. But if you attack, spread that out, and attack multiple players, this is going to trigger once for each opponent hit. Um, also, if the attacking creature has double strike, that's two instances of dealing combat damage that might happen to the player. Also, and this is the this is the fuss part. Here we go because that kicker because that kicker is bl- is uh, green and white. This is this card is Abzan for the purpose of color identity. You cannot put this in your mono black deck. Ooh. Ooh. Well, why is there fuss? It is what it is. Like, Because I want to put it in my mono black deck. Well, or we my black blue things. deck. I want a deck of nothing but lightning bolts, but... <laughs> well, you, you can make a deck of nothing but lightning bolts, and if that's you all you want. put this in your in your black deck if you want to. Like, not... Go not, crazy. Not legally. Well, yeah. That's the fuss. <laughs> Gotta go off the grid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta lose control. Just what if I don't want that? What if I don't want that three six life? What if I just want the the triggered dark confidant ability? Man, just do what you gotta do. But do as what far you as what do. you should or can legally do, too bad. <laughs> Next we have Terrasunder for a generic and a green instant kicker one and a black. Um, exile target exile target artifact or enchantment. If this spell was kicked, exile target non-land permanent instead. Okay, so in the steps of casting a spell, we target something before we pay costs. So how does Terrasunder know to let you target a non-land permanent before you pay the kicker cost? Ooh. Ooh that's a good question. Mysteries. Wish yeah, I wish well, I knew an L3 that could tell me this. <laughs> oh, it's because you decide 
you decide whether or not you're going to pay any alternate costs uh, after oh, you put it on the stack. That's right. And before, yeah. So when it comes time to target the casting of the spell, kind of looks back and says, "Oh, well, well, you plan on kicking it. We so I will. To this. You committed to this. That's right. Yeah, you Very said smart. you gave all the documents back to the <laughs> FBI. Um. All right. So the next card was obviously named during the pandemic. Yeah, for real. Uh, t- temporary lockdown. Uh, one white white for an enchantment. When temporary lockdown enters the battlefield, exile each non-land permanent with mana value two or less until temporary lockdown leaves the battlefield. Okay. Aura cards exiled this way, when they come back, will return to the battlefield attached to a permanent they could enchant. Like, it doesn't have to be the same one that they left with it's like a you know swingers party or whatever um uh, they attach to any permanent they could enchant based on the enchantment ability however they can't enchant any permanent entering the battlefield at the same time as the aura in commander oh this is also a great way to wipe tokens out because they have a mana value of two or less and since they're exiled they're just gonna poof uh in commander or any other multiplayer variant if Temporary Lockdown's owner leaves the game. The exiled cards return to the battlefield. And this is just like the one of the other ones that I talked about. Uh, One-shot effect that returns the cards doesn't use the stack. It won't stop existing with the uh, leaving player spells or abilities on the stack. Womp womp. Interesting. Next up, we've got Tribute to Urborg. One in a black for an instant with Kicker. One in a blue. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If this spell was kicked... That creature gets an additional minus one, minus one until end of turn for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So Tribute to Urborg won't count itself in the graveyard because it's it's still on the stack when it's resolving. You knew that already, though. You knew that already from this episode. Yeah. Very smart listeners. <laughs> All right. The next card is, is Urza Assembles the Titans for three white white. It is an enchantment saga with Rita Head. Uh, first chapter ability scry four, then you may reveal the top card of your library. If it's a planeswalker, if a planeswalker card is revealed this way, put it in your hand. Second chapter ability, you may put a planeswalker card with mana value six or less from your hand onto the battlefield. And chapter three is you may activate the loyalty ability of planeswalkers you control twice this turn rather than once. All right, the planeswalker, planeswalker doesn't need to be on the battlefield when the third chapter ability resolves. Okay. So you can, this ability happens, and then you play a Planeswalker, you'd be able to activate it twice. You don't have to activate the same loyalty ability twice, so you can plus it and then minus it. It doesn't matter. If you have another card that lets you activate Planeswalkers twice, this ability, this ability and that one don't stack. You don't get three. No. Okay? That's all I got to say about that. All right, next we have Weatherlight Completed. Is that how we're pronouncing it? No, it's completed. No, weatherlight completed for two generic. Legendary artifact vehicle, it's 5-5 flying. As long as weatherlight completed has four or more phyresis counters on it. Phyresis? Yeah. As long as weatherlight completed has four or more phyresis counters on it, it's a Phyrexian creature in addition to its other types. Yeah, you can call those counters phyresis pieces. Oh, Lord. Okay, that was funny. I'll, I'll give you that <laughs> okay. one. That was good. That was really <laughs> okay, good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. 
<laughs> Credit where it's due, you are funny sometimes. All right, all right, all right, fine. Whenever a creature you control dies, put a Phyresis counter on weather light completed. Then draw a card if it has seven or more Phyresis counters on it. If it doesn't, scry one. That's a lot going on. So poor weather light also, I guess. Um, yeah. If multiple creatures die at the same time, the weather light completed will trigger once for each creature. As each trigger resolves, do all the actions in order. It's it's a batch of things. Um, if weather light completed leaves the battlefield before the triggers finish resolving, we use last known information to determine how many counters it had on it. Okay, so we're we're ready for something mind blowing here. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> okay, braced myself for this. If weather light completed loses all its abilities, cause the type changing effect still applies. Cause that. What? What? The type changing effect. If weatherlight still... completed loses all its abilities. Mm-hmm. Because the the type changing effect still applies. Because the type changing effect still applies. Because that, that layer comes before it loses all abilities. So the thing that makes it a Phyrexian creature, in addition to its other types, applies before. It's the whole uh, oh, 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 Magus okay. of the Moon thing. I'm. I'm just illiterate. I was like not under. I was not parsing what this was trying to say. Okay, I see. I see. I see. Yeah, them's the layers. Da da dun da dun dun layers. So there's. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, we're gonna go into. We're gonna do three commander specific cards. Well, I really All love right. the notes on this on this first set here. Yeah. These really lengthy notes you've you've well, made here. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. So the first one is. The Peregrine Dynamo. That's a that's a real dynamic sounding name there for a legendary artifact creature construct. It's a one five for three mana with haste, one and tap, copy target activated or triggered ability you control from another legendary source that's not a commander. You may choose new targets for this copy. And then as a reminder, mana abilities can't be targeted. Okay, because they don't use the stack, so that you have no opportunity. Like it's it's just they're gone. You know, you try and target it, and you're like, when will then be now? Uh, just a reminder, activate, activated abilities contain a colon. Okay, sometimes keywords like equip might hide the colon in the rules text, uh, and it might not actually appear in the reminder text, but, you know, just know, you know, as a doctor will tell you, it's good to know your colon. I was about um, to say, you know, activated abilities contain a colon. You probably also contain a colon, listeners. Oh, that means you are an activated ability. Aren't we all? We are all activated ability. Uh, triggered abilities use the word when, whenever, or at. You know, so they're like whenever this happens or at the beginning of the, the end step, do things. Um, the Peregrine Dynamo's ability uh, targets an ability that's on the stack and creates a copy of it on the stack. Okay, it, it doesn't cause any object to gain any ability okay uh a legendary source where it says uh from a legendary source that is a permanent spell or card in any zone with the super type legendary okay you know the source of the copy is the same as the source of the original uh if you are targeting a modal triggered ability you know, something that says choose one, the mode is copied and can't be changed. Uh, if the trigger has them already dividing or distributing counters, you can't change that. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. If an ability is linked to a second ability, well, copies of that ability are also linked to that second ability. Okay, so if the second ability refers to an exiled card, uh, it refers to all cards exiled with that ability. Uh, for example, uh, Tide, Hollow, Tide Hollow Sculler has an enter, enter the battlefield trigger that is copied and two cards are exiled. Then they're both going to return when Tide Hollow Sculler leaves the battlefield. Tide Hollow Sculler has an enter the battlefield trigger that when it enters the battlefield, you need to look at, look at the opponent's card uh, hand and remove a card that matches some, some criteria. Okay. So that's the dynamo. You want to talk about the primeval spawn? I do. Oh my goodness. Primeval spawn. Um, five generic. And then Wooberg. Creature avatar 1010. If primeval spawn would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast or no mana was spent to cast it, exile it instead. Ooh. It's got vigilance, trample, and lifelink. When primeval spawn leaves the battlefield, exile the top 10 cards of your library. You may cast any number of spells with total mana value 10 or less from among them without paying their mana costs. That's spicy. That's flavorful. How fun. Mm-hmm. They really don't want you casting. You, they really don't want you cheating this into play, Said, though. Yeah, don't be doing all that now. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything specific you wanted to, to tell the good folks at home about um, Mr. Primeval Spawn? Yeah, so uh, as long as mana was paid... For any cost to cast Primeval Spawn, it enters the battlefield, it resolves. So if you have, like, Fist of the Suns out, which lets you pay Wooberg instead of the mana cost, you can, you, you still get to, I mean, you still cast Primeval Spawn. Yeah. If, if it's exiled by its first ability uh, when it tries to enter the battlefield, it goes directly to the exile zone without ever entering the battlefield. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Yep, yep. That last ability that says when it leaves the battlefield, it won't trigger because it was never on the battlefield to leave it. Um, if an effect... Beat it. Yep. If, a, if an effect causes a card to enter the battlefield as a copy of Primeval Spawn and that permanent wasn't cast, that card will be exiled instead of entering the battlefield. So if you try and clone, like if you try and reanimate a clone to make it a copy of your primeval spawn it's going to get exiled instead if a creature token that's a copy of primeval spawn would be put on the battlefield it's put into exile instead they really don't want like i don't know i don't think this ability is as awesome as like they put a lot of work into making sure you couldn't cheat this thing in any way (laughs) and i'm thinking if they'd opened it up just a little bit it would have been so much cooler Oh, it's fun, though. You just can't be yep. cheesy about it. I like Okay. It. Now, if an effect from a static ability would remove all abilities from Primeval Spawn, like Judge Favorite Humility, then its first ability won't cause it to be exiled. It'll enter the battlefield as normal. But, you know, so yes, you, you can Humility it. Uh, onto the battlefield <laughs> yes you can humiliate it onto the battlefield yeah so uh the spells uh are cast uh one after the other during the resolution of the primeval primeval spawns ability and the the last one uh the one you cast last will be the first one to resolve okay so while that ability i'm gonna cast this one this one this one this one they keep going on the stack on top of each other and then they're just gonna boop all right we got one more one more commander card here looks like Okay. Robaran Mercenaries for three and a white creature, human mercenary, three, four with vigilance. 
Robaran Mercenaries has all activated abilities of all legendary creatures you control. Holy smokes. Ain't that something. So, if Robaran Mercenaries gains an activated ability that linked to a non-activated ability, the ability Robaran, Robaran Mercenaries gains isn't, isn't linked to anything. So, yeah. So if it's like, as this enters the battlefield, exile a, exile a creature card or something like that, and then there's a, a an activated ability that references that exiled creature. Yeah. If Robaran Mercenaries gains an activated ability that's linked to another activated ability on the creature it came from, the two abilities are linked for for are linked for Robaran as long as that creature is on the battlefield. Okay. That's confusing. Well, not not really. So if I have if I have two abilities that reference each other, okay, and both of them are activated, then Robaran has them. And they can see each other. Oh, because okay. Robaran yeah, has yeah. both the abilities that can see each other. Because it has both. But if there's Right, but if if one of them is a non-activated ability, Ro, well, Robaran doesn't get that one, so it can't. It? They can't yeah. see each other. Right, that makes sense. That's not that's not scary. We good? <laughs> no, not as scary as you know making deals with mercenaries. Well, it depends on what you need done. All right. <laughs> okay, and I'm not gonna this. There's no rules text for this, but have you seen the the token created for Zira the Golden Sting? No. Is that how you say it? Zira? Shira? It might be. It might be. I don't know. But bee lady? So the bee lady. Have you Google, Google, Google token, insect token for Zira? No. Yes. No. Yes. Is that a bee in a suit? It's, 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 it is a, it's a little, it's a little boy in, in a, in a little, yeah. That's the cutest, That's a, horriblest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. I I want I want to build that deck just to have a lot of those tokens. Just a lot it's of little for, boys. <laughs> for list, for the listeners at home, it's a little it's a little b-boy in a little, you know, Victorian uh, uh boy suit. Little suit uh, holding the reins of a rocking horse. He's so formally so dressed up for what occasion, it's so, I wonder. It's so terrible. He's very handsome. He's dapper. He's like he's like straight out of the insect version of Mary Poppins. He's very cute, but also terrifying. I would not invite him yeah. over, but I'm I'm glad he's living his best life. All right. So, what are your thoughts on the set? Um, it's got a lot of text. I'm interested to see how how it plays. It's um, got a lot of text. <laughs> it's got a lot of text. Um, does that? You know, and that, that's not such a bad thing. I'm ex- I'm excited about it. Um, when you were talking about anointed peacekeeper earlier, I was thinking like anointed in what I wonder, and I think the thing he's anointed in is card text. But oh, <laughs> as as are all these cards, just fully anointed with card text. Um, but yeah, I, I I think everyone really liked the original, or I guess the last Dominaria set that came around. Um, so I'm excited to see this one. Also, it's cool to see these characters again doing their thing. Um, I feel yeah. ba- I feel so bad about a Johnny in the Weatherlight, but excited for pre-release this weekend. It's going to be good stuff. I'm curious as to the route they take that is different from mirrodin right like like they can't take over dominaria why not you know maybe they can do it again because <laughs> that would be that would be just repeating repeating the 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 new phyrexia thing well, so it's going to be you know it might take three sets to do it but they haven't they, they haven't doing. gained herd immunity yet <laughs> yeah. yeah there's 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 another card that's called like 
Rona the something. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> what a name. What a name. Rona. Indeed. Um Yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's that for our release notes episode. Um join us next time when we talk about something. Um and until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Um, till next time, I'm Samantha Har and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman and I keep it ha ha. Oh, yeah. I should probably stop recording and hit save.